Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's Thursday night. You know what that means. It's time to preview AEW Full Gear with myself, Michael Sidgwick, and fellow Dadly Boy, Michael Hamflin. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple, Amazon Music, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only preview PLEs and PPVs like Full Gear, but also Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Uh, Dynamite, Rampage, we have wrestler interviews, roundtable discussions, we sometimes answer your wrestling questions, and host, of course, a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz on wrestle culture. Hamlet, this doesn't feel like full gear 2021, does it? No. Um, it's cannot, it cannot possibly be a year, it is, but it cannot possibly be a year since um, CM Punk was like absolutely up to his neck in it, and I stress just his neck because Eddie Kingston hurricaned his head clean off in the first few seconds. And that just be a work. That just be a nice thing. It kind of be a year since friggin' the elite melodrama was just the height of artistic wrestling perfection and everybody's fantasy booking and countless videos and think pieces and all that. And just that, not a backstage drama that nobody really wanted to comment on or discuss. It, it's, it's remarkable, really. And yet, I think what this has done, and we've talked a lot about the cloud over AEW for the last month and exactly what this pay-per-view cycle will come to represent in what is hopefully the long history of this company. I look at this card on paper, and if you separate the title matches from the non-title matches, I think you'll see that it's actually quite a dynamic card. There's stipulations and stakes that feature no belts whatsoever. There's stars in matches that are nowhere near titles. It speaks to the fact there's too many titles in this show at the moment, but I do think it's made for one of the better on-paper cards. And um, We are recording this on Thursday, as you highlighted. So as of right now, there are 11 matches. So we'll have to get somebody else to cover the seven that will be added between now yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There is all but guaranteed to be at least one more. And we know this because we might as well get this out of the way now, actually. Yeah. Uh, because Ricky Starks is due to work at Lance Archer in the quarterfinal of a tournament that concludes 24 hours later. Yeah. Which sounds ridiculous, but if they can pull it off and Ricky Starks can enter the 24-hour babyface performance of a goddamn lifetime, then it should be a stunning and bold creative decision and exactly the sort of thing that you'll really 
try and hold on to for weeks and months after the fact to try and make yourself remember you know let it play out like let it play out look what they did with ricky starks when he thought after rampage grand slam it just was a disaster but ultimately if they can all pull this off uh khan starks his opponents who have to as monsters two of them have to really sort of retain their credibility or at least what's left of it after the fact um i think this is a really intriguing direction if he can beat three guys in two days winter is coming is where the title shots happening and it mm -hmm. emanates from texas which is where ricky stark's first uh first rose to um cult indie fame he got that amazing reaction um when they first ran texas in that glorious summer of 2021 so that could be the match they might have subverted their usual pattern and made it obvious that ethan page is uh going to win but not but we ultimately kind of know the final already it's going to be ricky starks we think uh, versus ethan page um i really like this because ultimately starks loses nothing if he loses his third match in 24 hours page does look a bit like a bitch but at the same time if starks can pull off the babyface performance of a lifetime i think the modern fan is wired to really appreciate ethan page not for winning a match, but for being involved in something really quite special. Um, I hope it starts, um, but it kind of all hinges on the MJF turn. And so much of this is way more intriguing when I say it than when I feel it. Yeah, I think that's because, like, I think this whole Eliminator tournament has been like a mixed bag of terrible and brilliant execution. Um, the final, the potential final, as you've described it and as we predict it to be, Ethan Page and Ricky Starks, is an act of brilliant booking i think um identified in fun the savio vega law of the king of the ring 95 taking place in philadelphia um infamously of course philly you big dumb bitch. the site of brian cage versus ricky starks one as it could become the site of ricky starks brian cage two um assuming that it takes place on the pre-show uh the idea that he has to not just beat brian cage and then go straight into battle with ethan page but two monsters in 24 hours before getting to that final does indeed get him over the line as this baby face who will take on all comers as well as being this cocky character that we've all gradually been permitted to fall in love with um what's cool about not knowing the winner explicitly here is that it doesn't allow us to book the winner in the final that's often an aw tournament problem is that you can see who the winner is going to be because of who you know the champion is going to be uh all too often one telegraphs the other and that hasn't happened here page did Telegraph getting this far by kind of talking his way into the final, but he hasn't really talked his way into victory. So I do like that this, like a few matches on this show, that you think you've got the outcome and then you do sort of second guess yourself. And I think that's, that is a credit to the, the booking of this card. Um, I'm going with Ricky Starks because I'm going with MJF. Spoiler, I suppose. But neither of those are completely sure things, or indeed the alignment of MJF certainly isn't a sure thing. So I, I like I think there is an argument for Ethan Page to win, and that feel almost a little ill-gotten because he's broken the heart of somebody on a bit of a hero's journey. Starks would certainly be protected in defeat here. Yeah, no, I do think it's really good booking, and I think that's how it'll shake out, and I'm looking forward to it as a result. Um, this might be copium, okay? We might as well get this out of the way before we drill further into the card. Um, there are certain developments that hover around. Um, Dynamite and Rampage before pay-per-view where you can see right okay this feels like a zero hour thing 
Um, but one of those things, Hook versus Lee Moriarty, is actually happening on the Rampage before. Mm. Do we think that um, with more criticism in good faith than ever before, and I'm including, look, we have very, very um, glowing memories of AEW in the pandemic because we needed that promotion. There was, in actuality, quite a lot of crap <laughs> in that period. It's the highs were higher, certainly. Mm. But um, this is a more well-rounded, workmanlike, perfunctory product now that doesn't have as many flaws, I don't think. Um, but ultimately, I would say this period now is the most criticised AEW has ever been. Uh, mm. I think a lot of people are struggling to articulate what's happened to the magic, why they don't feel as much for it. Champions are getting beat out the ass every single week. Check out the Dynamite review and it eventually freaking drops into Michael Hamflet's email <laughs> um, for a sobering statistic on that. Do we think that zero hour, the pre-show, is going to be limited to that one Ricky Starks match because Tony Khan wants to deliver a real all-killer, no-filler pay-per-view in a bid to get the buzz back because I'm looking at the roster and who's been involved in various things. That can't make a match out of stuff I've seen on TV. And that's, I hope, a good thing. But he's probably going to add four well after this has dropped any podcast feeds. He the the one for the last pay-per-view was like felt annoyingly egregious because we were so close to the start line and then he bumped three matches onto that and if you remember what uh, like up apart from kingston ishii um what a waste of time the pre-show felt in execution as well injuries to like the likes of ruby soho in a match that really shouldn't have even took place it just felt like it like it felt like and this is not like on the talent obviously it felt like something karmic was going on in how bad some of that pre-show was and in how much it stands to tire the audience and yada 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 i would like to think not i have a feeling akiyama kingston might end up being a singles match um and again there's the that's going to be really hot in the building so you do stand to it's it's that thing of like tiring the fans out uh i'm going to be optimistic and i'm going to say beyond that and beyond ricky starks nothing else which would take us to 13 for the night total. That's still outrageous. Like. It's too big. It is too big. Um, 11 on the main card is too much. But to counter that point, um, pacing is still everything, isn't it? The six matches of Extreme Rules felt longer than the 48 of All Out 2021. Yeah, yeah. So it's like there's a lot of different ways that this can go. Um, card placement is going to be key as well. But I'm, I want to be optimistic. I like they... they there are some respects where they have stopped being the listening company because they're about to become the television right out the ass company. Um, but it would be nice if this was one way where he showed just how plugged in he still was to maybe what you're saying about the criticism, you know, maybe so much more of it than ever before is because it's in good faith. There was loads yeah. of criticism once, but he probably struggled drowning out a lot of the noise. I think yeah. a lot more of the criticism isn't just baseless noise now. Yeah, absolutely. I've made that same point as well uh, very recently in an article. Um, it is is the moment that I just feel a lot of people are at the very least um, just mixed about mm. the present. But ultimately, we've got a pay-per-view uh, to preview here and on a philosophical discussion. Uh, we'll follow up the uh, Eliminator um, with a discussion on um, the three-way match for the AEW TNT Championship, which is Wardlow versus Samoa Joe versus Powerhouse Hobbs. 
this feels like he wants to get Joe on the card. Mm -hmm. It's not a bad means of facilitating that because this is the best possible Joe match, but I still contend that Wardlow versus Hobbs and just a big, beefy, bastard, hoss fight, alpha male battle could have really, really been fun and doesn't necessarily need the third wheel. Look, they could do, they could pin Joe here and then do Hobbs, Wardlow after the fact and establish Wardlow as the hoss of all hosses. But yeah, I think that this should be loads of fun. I expect Wardlow to win, um, pinning Joe. Hobbs can then say, look, before that arsehole got in our business, I want to do one-on-one, -on -one, and he still didn't beat me. So they could um, set up um, the singles match on that basis. It's a bit beyond Joe, I expect, at this point. But I love the idea of Wardlow teasing you with that incredible somersault plancher. Mm. What if Joe... The last time he was in a three-way match, or, well, his most memorable three-way match, and mm. um, the Unbreakable 2005, the camera shot was perfect. The when-to-do-it aspect of the spot was perfect. I'm, of course, talking about that ridiculous rotating dive he did. I once described it as watching an avalanche. <laughs> Possibly got it in him to do that again as a nice callback. That would be awesome, but I'm expecting some really nice, tense, intense, physical snug action, and there'll be some aerials to give you that incredulous. These lads can't do that, Pop. Yeah, I think I think he does do it. I think he does. I think we get that. I think we get um, Samoa <laughs> Samoa Joe with the Kikina clutch on Hobbs being broken up by a Wardlow Swanton bomb. Yeah, uh, and I think we get a finish of Wardlow. Powerbombing Joe onto Hobbs and pinning Joe. So the idea Hobbs can say, You didn't beat me. And what are they? Well, I, I kind of beat you both, actually. Yeah. But uh, I just pinned Joe. And it's, it's, and that makes this as fun as it is shrewd, doesn't it? Because it's protect, protection is such a dirty word, but you do have to do that as a booker. It's just in the how that you decide to do it that makes all the difference. What you don't do is have Bandido run up the ramp, score it, like thinking, celebrating like he scored last minute winner off a stolen roll up. What you do do is having Hobbs lay claim to the fact that he would never had his shoulders pinned, even though he probably could have done had Wardlow picked him to pin instead. Yeah. I think I think the singles match makes for a fantastic TV main event if you want to do it. People will still want to watch it after this three-way. And the three-way doesn't have to. Joe can do all the big stuff we're pitching without looking as pink and knackered as he would in a 10-minute singles. So as long as this doesn't go long, I think this, this will absolutely support itself on the night. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, we are basically just going in descending order from what bloody Wikipedia tells me. So this is probably big to discuss, but we'll discuss the main event last. It is the return of Death Triangle, uh, sorry, the return of the Elite in a trio's title match against Death Triangle. Um, look, they've had one match before. It was on the anniversary. It was absolutely incredible, but they didn't even reach the maximum gear, I don't think. My favourite aspect of that match, and it's going to certainly be mirrored here if I know Kenny Omega from a distance, um, is that Kenny Omega was buried by Dave Meltzer, not for his performance, but for his just unwillingness to get himself over when that was his goddamn job, and he had yeah. two of them. When in December 18, he just got his ass kicked by the Creepers and the entire um, subsequent Dynamite was based around the fact that don't lose faith in the Elite. They're still great. They're still the cornerstones of this promotion. We're going to ask the question and then answer it resoundingly in the main event. And Kenny Omega 
in that match. It might be his best individual performance in AEW because he just went ballistic. It's like, I'm not the best anymore. People don't think I'm the best. Watch this. <laughs> and he's going to have, in a weird bit of serendipity and symmetry, the exact same attitude going into this. They know full well that there are going to be people, if they somehow don't deliver, and they always do, so that's not going to not happen, there'll be people thinking, uh, well, I wish Punk came back, and they are going to be unbelievably motivated to turn around to those people and say, after this, this is the side that Tony picked, this is the side that you will pick. Kenny Omega got himself into incredible, bulkier Dominion 2018 shape at all out for until now nothing obviously they won the trios titles but that means nothing mm. he must be like physically he looks like he's ready to burst at the seams that's how stacked he is he must be so unbelievably motivated on a psychological level to explode here i cannot wait for the prospect but i'm a little bit anxious because the elite are very bold in their storytelling they think long they think longer than anyone I don't necessarily think it's it hopefully it's up the Tony Khan it is. But uh I wonder if they'll try and lobby for uh oh we're not ready. We've gone two we've had two and a half months of ring rust. Obviously, the young bucks have told this story. Funny how you know um the young bucks and Kenny Omega tell the more sports-oriented stories in all pro wrestling, given their reputation. But the young bucks recognize well, our characters would be rusty in the context of us being executives for like most of the year before um, the first double or nothing, they worked that into their match. Kenny Omega worked the fact that he wasn't 100% ready because he'd been rehabbing a very real sporting injury. My worry is that they are going to try and lobby to lose this match on that basis when I think personally, and I say this as one of the biggest elite fans ever, that they've kind of taken the piss with that and they've their star power has suffered as a result and people just kind of need to see stars win and it's as horrendously basic as that but sometimes the simplest way to go is the way to go but my knowledge of the elite and the way they like to tell stories is at the very least going to um make me worried about the outcome of this match yeah they um they like rust law and as you say there's nothing inherently wrong with that because it plays in a reality but to also build on your point about them sometimes it is just easier to take the path of least resistance and just be stars be the stars you know you are um i would even argue that to the point where as excited as i am for whatever this trios division could be i'm already itching for kenny omega as a singles wrestler like especially in the absence of cm punk oddly enough suddenly aw is down one star and one is going to be potentially working six mans instead of getting back into the business of trying to win the title. So it's, it is, you can find, I guess what I'm saying is you can find reasons why the elite could lobby to lose this, but it takes an awful lot of dancing around the reality that they are vital to this. If they weren't as vital to this as they obviously are, there wouldn't have been such an air of panic about their potential exit or the cloud over the brand or what next for the elite, way more than what next to CM Punk. You know, amongst like a lot of the AW hardcores. Um, we talked about this on the Dynamite review, which eventually, hopefully, we'll be able to get wherever you get your podcasts. About how uh, I've have just seen something drop into the inbox, so we'll see afterwards. Thank you, Google Meets, for your incredible lag getting these podcasts downloaded. Um, but we've even seen that extended now into Britt Baker as well. 
Like we are learning what it means to be an AW original versus just about anything else. I knew, I knew this after all our 2022. I just want to say that. I just yeah. want to say that now. Well, you did. And you know, like, I don't even support it, truthfully. I think people need to, like, just think what they think about wrestlers rather than being married to this idea. But it is in there. It is deeply embedded in the, the law of this company. So I think it would be foolish to try and tinker with that too much. I think they do have to win. I think you have, at very least, in what has been a wonky way to de get Death Triangle here, um, you could have Pack insisting when all else fails to use the hammer and the Lucha Brothers not wanting to and that ultimately costing them. And maybe you do the split here, maybe you do the break. If all of that sounds too simple for an elite match, like I say, maybe just keeping it simple stupid is the, is the path here. Um, at what point do you have a match in which the elite uh, go to, or the opposition, I should say, go out to pull out a table from underneath the ring um, but then like GCW, instead of a table, it's a door. And then we orchestrate a spot where the Young Bucks super kick a door or someone's face. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, is it... I was going to say, is it too raw? But then Colt Cabana was on Dynamite last week. So is it really? I, I don't know. I still don't know what they are and aren't allowed to do or maybe more accurately willing to do in yeah. case they um, really sort of antagonise CM Punk into some kind of defamation deal right yeah. where they like completely take the piss out of the events or his character in any way he could pretend i don't know how the legal system works i'm not going to pretend to be um a legal eagle uh but you want to believe that you want to believe that tony khan is playing chicken with cm punk over like a wrestlemania main event don't you yeah how much is he willing to like prod him i can't remember who it was um on twitter so apologies but someone said, imagine if they came out wearing dog tooth necklaces. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's an incredible, incredible idea. Kenny Omega with the Randy Savage bandaged forearm. Aye. Still, like, even like, we've seen that he had like three weeks of a recovery in a compression vest, but he's taken two months to get over a, like a, a hickey. From yeah. A steel. What I love as well, because I think that the elite will probably still flirt with heel behavior and conduct in the match because at some point they're going to have to do the Don Callis Kenny yeah. and their books divides and they'll still have to play heel part of their brilliant heel act is Matt Jackson taking the piss and being happy clappy pretend baby face and going to the other corner and pretending to do the hot tag and all the rest of it what if he just decides when really early in the match because you don't want to take away from the, the gravity of the finish when he's like sort of Take the pace, and he's got um, Penta or someone under control. Just decide to intentionally botch the bookshot lariat, and then do yeah. like some kind of really cheeky grin on his face. Defamation is a uh, tricky business, though, so they might have to just be on their absolute best behavior. But you Spring think Nick yeah. Jackson drops a hideous elbow drop? Does the Jerry Sags elbow? Yeah, yeah, it's the worst elbow drop you've ever seen in your life. Why did you keep doing it? Like the, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Winding up his elbow. Oh, he's absolutely CM Punk's rubbish. He wasn't. He was a genius, but he was two different men, an idiot and a genius all in one. But you think the elite are winning, yeah? I think so. I, I, I think they will be the strongest argu like, argument for having them lose, but I just don't see it. I can't see Tony Khan wanting to go with it. In a match that, if you plot it, it's mostly robust. The crowd have been very into it, particularly in Toronto. But it's just a dinosaur who's evil, and I find the whole thing a bit ridiculous. It's Jungle Boy Jack Perry in a steel cage match against Luchasaurus. Now, I was looking forward to this 
because the idea of Jack Perry just bumping into the cage, Excalibur reminding you that is back, which is going to be splat against Mesh, is what almost catalyzed all of this because he was choke slammed on the pyro grade. And just the idea of him getting monstered and those War Games 92 splat bumps that I'm just so enamored with, but like a guy with. I don't have channel Wilborn. It happens when you're in the chair and you're hosting, but it's hair going bloody everywhere as well. Yeah. I was watching uh, my usual routine on a Wednesday. You know what I mean? I put YouTube on and because I have to be up at 4 a.m. I decided just when the kids are asleep, my bedtime viewing is the control center road to the 50 minute YouTube. So I can go to bed before nine o'clock. What a sad bastard. That version, uh, that episode rather, before last night's Dynamite, Tony Schiavone said, well, you know, Christian gets a cage match, but Christian Cage still might interfere. Why? Mm. Well, it's a cage match because we're sick of that. Well, so I think Christian Cage will help this exponentially. The presentation of this, I should say. Um, what will help the match is that other than me and you right now, Nobody's talking about it. Yeah. Nobody is talking about this. And they will really benefit from a it's not even like measured expectations. It's a total lack of expectations. You could forget this on that this is on the card unless you listen to podcasts like ours or you cover it every day or whatever. There was a little feature of it on Dynamite, obviously, as well. So the company are trying to make you remember it, but they're certainly not speaking to its potential quality or anything like that. Probably because like we are still in the program that started with that battle royal at double nothing a year and a half ago. And we know for a fact this isn't the payoff. This is a part of it, but it's not the end. The end is Christian Cage getting his comeuppance. Christian Cage, uh, when the match was signed, ordered Jack Perry's family to be ringside. And I think the best part of this match is in not when Jungle Boy guts his way to victory and looks completely exhausted in the process, but the cage is very theatrically locked in order to keep Christian Cage out and just allow Jungle Boy to get his... He survives, obviously, the onslaught of the giant monster. He knows Luchasaurus better than Luchasaurus knows himself, and that's how he gets the win. That's how he overcomes the size disparity, and he gets the win like a hero should. But it's not about escaping cages in AEW, and that's really going to cost Jungle Boy when Christian has free reign to verbally abuse his family in front of Jungle Boy's exhausted eyes. So the visual of Jungle Boy winning the match and theoretically getting this redemption and then staring knackered through the grates only to see Christian spitting in his sister's face or something. Oh, like, he's that close to being able to help and he can't because he's not got the energy to shimmy out over that cage and the door's still locked. Christian does it, runs up the ramp, scarpers. By the time Jungle Boy's out the cage, he's got to tend to his family rather than getting a Christian and that's how the heat remains hot for the, the final match, which we actually want. I really like that idea. Um, I feel like this is going to be one of those matches, right? This has happened in the last, um, not forbidden door, but certainly double or nothing and all out. I had two separate experiences where I heard an entrance theme and I legitimately went, ah, oh, I forgot this was on the show. <laughs> I forgot this was on the bloody show and I'm already getting a bit tired and we've got like six matches left. Um, maybe that's just been a limey. A limey brick, but who the hell knows? But uh Jungle Boy's redemption for you. He wins, he's got to win here. He's got to win. Um there's no yeah, he's, he's a geek if he doesn't now. Totally. And there's no reason for Christian Case to give him the match he craves if he doesn't. Aye. 
Absolutely. Well, it's not the main event, but it's your main event, Hamlet, that we're discussing next. It's a tag team match between Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal and Sting and Darby Allen. Um, I've already found a smooth this spot. Indulge yep. me, mega fans, forgive me. I'm going to do it again. Um, have they said it's going to be like no rules? Because surely it has to be no rules. It's it's things in it, so it's no rules, isn't it? That's it's like it's the unspoken stipulation of a sting pay per view match, isn't it? You bloody hope so. At least looking ref bump. I yeah. want more. I want more corny stuff in this than any other match because I want a corny flavor for a for a corny making his AEW in ring debut. Look, there's going to be some blood. There's going to be some wild plunder. There's going to be some insane sting stunt. There's going to be Jeff Jarrett healing it up, and it's yeah. genuinely going to be magnificent. This um, semi main. He's unlocked the formula. Mm -hmm. All my talk, if I'm a bit tired, he's solved what was a real significant issue with the main of with the AEW pay-per-views, where there was so long that the main event really didn't get as much heat as it would have had the show been shorter. And now the party match is like that bolt from the blue. So this should go in the semi-main position. And what's going to happen is that Jeff Jarrett, near the climax of the match, is going to hit a guitar over Sting's head. He's going to instantly turn around thinking that his uh, opponent has been downed mm -hmm. and then he's going to go hey, 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 oh strut look around realize why the fans pop they don't actually like me very much turn around sting has no sold it it's going to do the old baboon chest and then he's going to kick him in the balls and then drop him with a death drop if tna got so little right ever i loved it so put money in its coffers but it did so little right ever bound for glory 2006 is the homework to anybody listening that still hasn't seen this spot play out and even tna got it right even tna got that spot right it is magnificent you go back and watch that the way the fans come up is just the stuff you dream of as a wrestling fan and i'm assuming as a wrestling promoter and the wrestlers themselves they got them they absolutely got them uh the guitar is so effective in that respect because it's almost as good as a table for the noise it makes and the impact it feels like yeah, somebody can sell being dead when they get hit with the guitar. I want more than one guitar in this, ideally, but that is the spot where the finish should come. This invites so much fun fantasy booking. Um, Darby Allen will do all manner of hideous things. I want him to do the dive onto Satnam Singh, but for Satnam Singh to not realize that Sting is on all fours behind him, you know, for the uh, college frat boy. Yeah. Satnam Singh gets knocked down as much because Sting's behind him for the trip because we know that he can withstand the dive, no bother. I want Jeff Jarrett when the heels have the advantage to stand on the post with his back to Darby Allen, tap his head three times yeah. and go for his own coffin drop only for Darby Allen to move and for him to miss and for Jarrett. Ah, oh, ow, my fucking back. Uh, like all that sort of carny stuff. Jeff Jarrett, the star of Ric Flair's last match. Like that, that in, there are points in that match that has no right. And they're mostly because of Jeff Jarrett working heel. So the fact that they've, incorporated this into a party match is kind of brilliant from tony khan this was the year this feels like a bit of a reward for jarrett and uh jay lethal where conrad said here can you uh give them a payday please because they sold out a building for me actually um i think this will rule everything you've described is going to be awesome palette cleanse is going to be perfect and for the people and i don't know why they're so planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. I do not get this. Jarrett's business. He is too smart to not be business. Not only will he lose, but he will also be... Infinitely more power than he has. Yeah, like, hold me to these words if I am proven wrong within the next three weeks. He will lose, and then he will be off television. Chill out. Like... I don't think he'll be off telly. He'll lose, but they'll make him do something else. They will. I just have got a feeling. But he'll lose. This this match is going in the favour of Sting and Darby Allen. You don't... um, Yeah, you don't lose 15 jobs, but get 16 if you're not business. Yeah. And that's who Jeff Jarrett is. They absolutely is. And the most controversial, divisive uh, build um, was for the next match we're going to preview. And that is Dr. Britt Baker, DMD versus Soraya. I think we've covered this extensively. Um, Ultimately, whether it's all very ill-advised, whether they're healing Soraya, whether Britt Baker herself, she's got burgeoning politician potential. Yeah. She knows exactly how to get herself over. And if she has to do that by being a baby face in, inscript, un, in unscripted promos, so be it. Uh, Jericho's learning tree. Yeah, she knows exactly what she's doing. And I admire the hell out of it, quite frankly. I think she's fantastic. Um, ultimately, can Soraya still go? Mm. Could she ever really go that much to begin with? Was she a beneficiary of the absolutely awful era in which she came up and was several shades better than um what on earth to expect from this i the only thing i expect from this and i'm so glad and it's such a testament to the belief the women have and the stage that they've been set at last there is noise noise out the ass yeah don't um never ever this is a message going back years on these podcasts never simp for billionaires but I do have a little bit of sympathy for Tony Khan here because this is absolutely the match that the likes of us, I know, the likes of us have been asking for for quite a long time. Like an all-star woman's match that doesn't revolve around a belt. Something that warrants its own place on its own merit and nothing more. Something like all of these things. And they've kind of bungled the booking of it to such an extent that we're now asking the wrong questions rather than just being hyped for it. 
I want to believe, it's a bit of blind faith at this point, I want to believe that the noise in the building on the night will carry it, that the fascination of what Soraya, Soraya can bring um, physically, because the cool thing about all these wrestlers returning, making miracle returns, is that the first 10, 20 bumps are terrifying. It's, it's part of the magic, ultimately. They wouldn't come back if they were cleared, but we've never ran the ropes. We've never taken bumps. So for all we know, the first time Britt lays in a suplex a little stiff, maybe a dynamite kid style snap suplex or something. How dare she? How how could she? You know, and, and that's where the that's where all the drama is. It's going to be drama at the ass. Uh Reba Rebel is an underrated bells and whistles accompaniment to Britt Baker's work. I think she will be tremendous here too. Um trying to be the spoiler. And I've got Soraya winning this, and I think this is going to be more partly fair than perhaps. Maybe that's why they've tried to take the booking in a different direction, because I think this will play more as a bit of a Cody versus Sean Spears rather than Cody versus Dustin Rhodes type affair in terms of major stories with a load of heat and drama. Because I think Britt Baker will just have to eat this L and maybe might appear on the show again later in the night. In, in how I foresee this happening. This is a this is a loss she really didn't want to have to take that's going to put her in a much worse mood when other things are happening on the card later on in the night. Yeah, I have similar problems with the booking as does, and again, everyone's social media is curated differently. You might follow 500 people who will love this, but certainly from my perspective, a lot of people have wondered whether they've got this completely right or not, at least from my perspective. The one thing I really love about this and the one thing this program really has got going for it is it feels real to each woman. Mm. It feels emotionally intense and it feels like they actually despise one another or at least they are so stubborn about what they themselves think they can bring that it's going to be very defiant. I think this is going to be a brawl. I'd love to see this be an absolute brawl. I don't want to see any sloppy, intricate attempts at mat work here. I no. don't think that. I think it's a push for Soraya. Um, and I think that Britt Baker sometimes get, gets lost when she tries that kind of match. I don't want them. It feels to me, right, and again, this could just be pure inference and speculation, that Warner Brothers Discovery have told them, on telly, you need to calm down with the blood. It's so noticeable that it's not as prevalent as it once was. My worry about this pay-per-view across the board in a general sense is that Tony Khan's a blood fetishist. <laughs> and I and I love him for it that he's going to overcompensate and just like oh blood 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 do blood on this pay per view. I would do blood in two matches, the main event obviously, and in this one as well. Mm. Uh, Baker's a great bleeder, sometimes hard way, um, but she did a proper blade job in the first Thunder Rosa match, and it was absolutely great. Um, so I want to see some blood here. I think that it will really help. It's a shortcut to drama. And I really think Soraya could do with a lot of help in this match because I don't think she was necessarily the best wrestler on the planet um, in her heyday. And the standards has improved since then. And realistically, it's her first match in forever. So give the women the stage and the shortcut here. Soraya in the lockjaw, having bled, like with blood running down her face, is the moment where Britt Baker is testing her. Did she really want to come back? Was this comeback yeah. worth it? There's a lot in that, isn't there? Where the kick out, it's kind of impossible. It was like you were saying with the promo the other week. You'd kind of have to be a sociopath not to try and root somebody to get out of that situation. Yeah, absolutely. I think the atmosphere for this could be to die for because if they can arrive at that spot or a spot like it, they can really just have 
an oscillating crowd reaction across the stands where the, I reckon will be behind Baker big it's at the start, but then I reckon they could get the sympathy on Saria's side. This is where I think where you're right as well, is that why you shouldn't, and it's we're past that point. We were past that point in television about overindulging in blood. Because that actually that's quite poetic for the story, isn't it? Britt Baker claiming that she would and has done bled for this company. Saraya proving that she will on her first night on the job covers that off, doesn't it? That yeah. ties up that loose end of this story. Yeah, the only other place I can see it happening with justification is in the cage match, but three, nah, it's two blade jobs, even for me, I think that's a bit much. Um, Jay Cargill versus Nyla Rose, emphatically the worst built match. Mm. Um, almost guaranteed to follow um, Death Triangle versus the Elite. <laughs> and it's going to go less than 10 minutes. If it goes over 10, I'll be absolutely stunned. They've got no chance and it's very harsh and i feel i talked about it for 30 seconds but that's how they win it's so shocking this but to their credit right they've tried to deviate from the usual nyla rose formula she isn't just the monster who mm. confronts the uh the first time a woman a woman wins a title they've tried to adapt what she's great at on twitter on a television regrettably it has not worked but I did think it was a noble failure, quite frankly, the uh, new Nyla Rose character. It hasn't worked. The worry now, if it was never not there, is that they'll get six minutes after a almost guaranteed classic match, and the result is in no doubt whatsoever. The yeah. Bacon gives me no pleasure. It's a shame, isn't it? It really is. This, like, Jade Cargill versus Nyla Rose on a pay-per-view is such an, like, awesome proposition in practice. And yet, in execution, it's just a convergence of all terrible things. She cannot end streak, Nyla Rose, off the back of a stolen belt story. She just cannot. Um, and yet, that now that formula now feels like it's flagging too. It does feel like we are at the time where the streak needs to be ended, and they need to find a creative out for this this run that Nyla, uh, that Jade Cargill's been on. But they have arrived at totally the wrong story with which to do that nyla rose could have been somebody that could have ended the street once upon a time but not in this context so you cannot really do that you're right to be cynical in your prediction that this will go in the worst place on the card because they'll want to give people time to go to the toilet or go get some food or drink or whatever guy um anything anything better than flat and forgettable will be a huge over delivery and i really i love them pair of them so i really hope they do it i hope they're kind of it's almost like a pushback to the criticism because I don't think we're criticizing this in bad faith either because I think most people will want better for the two of them. It's so strange, isn't it? You would like to think if we were going to full gear, if we were getting on the plane after this and going to full gear, talking like this, you would like show out for them on the night and you would stand in the building and scream the loudest for the two of them, knowing what we know. But it's you can't control your emotions and if you've just spent them all in the prior match you haven't got anything left yeah, yeah. you stand up and you clap politely and you do that performative let's go jade let's go jade when she's in a headlock and working her back into the corner or something but you don't feel it and i think that's the, probably the case with most fans here jade and jade to win obviously yeah it's all a bit of a goddamn shame and the four-way match for the roh world championship uh chris jericho defends against brian danielson claudio castagnoli and sammy guevara and the general rule of thumb and at least this applies to aew i know wwe have had weird um previous in actually doing switches here but they do a four-way to double your excitement and 
just not do a title change. It's a tacit thing of, right, okay, it's going to be all action, pops out the ass, but you're not going to get a title change. But enjoy this 18 minutes of delirium as and when it happens. So I expect Jericho to retain. Um, do like the idea of casting Newley, getting a little bit cross with Danielson, with the idea being, I've pinned him twice. He should never rightfully hold that title in the first place. Mm. Come on, mate. It's mine. Don't make me swing you around. And Danielson, part of his character being a sociopath, will just go, well, I want to win. Yeah. Like Danielson's got his own problems with Jericho as well, um, in that he's turned Daniel Garcia's head and he's sort of just almost indirectly splintering the BCC from within. All of this is like 7 out of 10 stuff. I like it every time I see it. Don't care about seeing it again. Um, but is it as easy as that? It's probably got sleeper hit potential, you know. I mean, God damn it. Danielson and Castagnoli are in it. Jericho's in the form of his life somehow. And I don't know if you've noticed this. We didn't really touch upon it in the review. Sammy Guevara, after initially turning heel this year, thinking, oh, well, that's his golden ticket. He's got this absolute smoke show of a blonde and all the incels in the crowd are going to hate the fact that... And it just never clicked. No one no. really cared about Sammy Guevara. These people hate him now. He's yeah. getting some of the biggest heat on this show. So this has got massive, massive sleeper hit potential for me. And fair play to all four of them. What we did touch on in the Dynamite review was the quality of the tag match and how it's done such a super effective job of selling this because you want to watch these four go again, even if their context is slightly different and their opponents rather than partners. I think this will be very good without ever being great. But I think it'll be great. There will, well, I think there'll be a lot of fun to be had in a finish that will be memorable. So it does feel like they're telling, they're, they're showing you uh, Claudio versus Jericho for final battle. So him not winning here makes logical sense. I wonder if, because the finish, so I've been trying to arrive at a finish that services this Jericho overlooking Guevara element of it um, and yet keeps Claudio Castagnoli as the guy, as kind of the uncrowned champion here. And I wonder... Do you remember when Sammy took that earth-shattering superkick from uh, Nick Jackson? Yeah. Uh, appears as if from nowhere from the sky and gets superkicked out of the sky. Could they replicate that with a Cesaro uppercut only for a pissed-off Danielson to roll Cesaro out the ring for them to continue to have their brawl because they've sort of fallen out a bit and then Jericho will look around and think, whoop, my yeah. well, and he covers Sammy and then that's how he retains. Uh, I think like multi-mans are always just they're just so exciting that they've always got a, a, a unbelievably sort of high floor for a star rating and for a crowd response. And I think this has got genuine sleeper hit potential. Should be fantastic. And yeah, the result isn't in doubt, but there are so many like saves and um subverted sequences and all the rest of it and pinfall breakups and near falls then a near fall immediately after that near fall because there's more bodies that this will get a massive crowd reaction and my worry pamphlet is that it's going to go on first because jericho does like going on first sometimes he's done it on more than one pay-per-view when i am spreading an agenda i've done it on twitter i almost got to a thousand likes for this agenda i'm going to do it on this podcast i'm absolutely desperate not just because they deserve a night where they don't get three consecutive death slots. I'm desperate for Jamie Hayter and Tony Storm to open the proper part of this show. Ooh. They've finally got a challenger that A, people either think or want to win, 
a champion that people really, really like in the same ring. And more to the point, not only do they deserve the opportunity, the physicality in this match should be unreal. And I just think legitimately out of every single thing on this show, right, looking down the card, they are not going to go long and work an intricate match. They're going to just beat the crap out of each other very quickly and very snugly. And I don't think for the style that they work, it should go particularly long. This has got 12-minute proper old-fashioned pay-per-view opener written all over it. Tony Khan will sometimes not get that. And it doesn't really matter because he always puts a great match on first. But he'll sometimes put on something that could be in the upper mid-card, but just in the opener. I want this to be sequenced perfectly. And I think this is the perfect old-fashioned PPV opener. I think Jamie Hayter doesn't win because, again, it's more luxury to have a big Britt Baker grudge match outside of the title picture. Um, on pay-per-view, I think Tony Khan has really done well. Still so apathetic. But ultimately, I think Tony Storm wins because she's a great champion. She can win, hopefully, the unification match with Thunder Rosa if she ever comes back. And uh, do Baker versus Hayton for no title at Revolution. I love that. I love that more than how I originally had this mapped out. So I'll I'll uh, I'll back that now. I'll stand that more than my own. My original thoughts were completely different, but I hadn't considered that this could and should be the opener. It is looking down at this card. You will never do it. You will never do it. But it shouldn't be so pie in the sky to think it, should it? Like it shouldn't. It it should. It we're at the point where Tony Storm has been so integral to this like very very quiet so quiet you have to really really put your ear to the ground with a trumpet sometimes to hear it going on this attempt to change things in the women's division a little bit and arrest the narrative that has deservedly existed for three years now i had it going the way of like the match being just the same like i think the match has just got total ripper potential here um really really physical tony storm lays it in jamie hater lays it in that never fails their mates they're, so they can allow each other to lay in and then apologise afterwards. That's how it always goes in wrestling. You want these people to be on the same page, and they are. Um, just the chemistry has got so much potential. And I had this going on way later in the card because I had a dejected Britt Baker either having to sell the uh, pain of Jamie Hayter lifting a title next to her or snapping and turning here and there and costing her. And I know... When a heel costs another heel, it's not exactly a crowning moment of glory for the baby face, but they're elegant enough to book around that, I think. Um, and that was how I had it going. I had the loss being one loss too many for Britt Baker to take. She came out with uh, Jamie here on Dynamite, but hung back. So it wouldn't be out of the realms of possibility for her to hang back again while still in the gear, while still with the stains of a blood on the side of her head, something along those lines. Um, but I like your scenario more now because I do want to see this continued path of <laughs> it's just so crap having to beg for crumbs, isn't it? Three matches, sir, please. Three matches, yeah. one that isn't for a title, please, sir. Shouldn't have to beg for crumbs, but that's where we're at. Um, so I do, I prefer that now, but that's how I had it previously. I thought this was where they used the last pay per view to show you that Baker will eventually she'd kill her own man for a title just as she would kill a friend, Jamie Hater. I thought this was going to be another the, the follow on to the pay per view cycle where they. Pull that trigger, but maybe not. Maybe, uh, maybe I want to go with yours more. Yeah, we've got two more matches to preview. And right, as we've established, everyone loves the acclaimed except Michael Hamflood. So <laughs> pissing your chips. I love the uh, chase. I love the chase more. I love the chase more. That's what it was with the acclaimed. It's going to piss in your chips momentarily, even though as champions, they've done like, yeah, smart Mark Sterling is a problem. We've had National Scissoring Day, genuinely really nice. Mm. 
We've had the music video, like the great TV stars. So I don't understand why you don't don't want them on TV. Um, ultimately, we are discussing here. I'm using ultimately wrong all the time. It's a verbal tick I've developed, and I'm really annoyed with myself. But regardless, we are talking about the rubber match between uh, the acclaimed and Swerve in our glory. And I expect the acclaimed to win. I think the Swerve Strickland heel turn on Keith Lee happens. I think it is going to be as simple as that. I think the match, we've I've seen more evidence that these two teams and derivations of them don't click as much as they magically do, that I'm worried about the quality of this match and was the first one just this unbelievable cosmic event where not a single thing went wrong, literally everything went right because the Grand Slam one was sloppy. People got lost in that match. It was abbreviated as well. So it didn't just hit the same emotional highs. And Bones and Strickland was a bit uh, off in terms of the wavelength and the chemistry. So as much as I really like the story, it's been a lot of fun, a lot of entertainment value. And I still maintain, in my head anyway, that this match can't live up to the all-out match. Because as I said, I've seen, well, I've seen four realistically, haven't we, including the eight-man tag. Um, uh, yeah, I've seen just as much evidence that it works as it kind of doesn't. But even when it doesn't, it's so over that it doesn't really matter. So maybe yeah. I'm overthinking things. But yeah, I think the acclaimed win. Um, just, just everyone, maybe just prepare yourself. This is going to get depressing. <laughs> it's a rubber match in the true sense of the word. Because if you discount the eight man, this is going to decide whether or not this was a good in ring feud or not, isn't it? Because they're either they're going to go two one one way or the other here in terms of just the straight tag matches. Um, I just, I really wanted Keith Lee to decide that he was actually with Swerve rather than against him. I think that's an interesting and brave character choice for it not to be this. It was a setup all along. Um, because I have considered, I think this was this came up at the time. What, what if it was Keith Lee holding the camera when uh, it wasn't live when Swerve was cutting Billy Gunn's fingers and it was pre taped footage and Keith Lee was in on this? But I think I prefer the idea that Keith Lee was genuinely appalled at that. But if anything was going to make him make his choice, it was the acclaim going in two footed on him in this video. So I kind of think even they've allowed you to imagine it as a storyline driver, they did call him Lizzo and he was still hating Swerve. <laughs> That. true that's true they've canonized cleveland jr this time around as well so uh that was that was in the video so they've they've gone in both barrels on uh, on keith lee so there would be justification for it and i prefer the outcomes i prefer swerving our glory versus ftr as a as a match i think we've talked a lot about shades of gray lately and i think there's obvious heels and obvious baby faces in that match um i think the acclaimed I just, I just think the division's in better health with Swerve and Our Glory as, as tag champions, truthfully, in terms of a combination of matches I want to see. Um, but I wouldn't have too much of a problem. I'm I genuinely right. As, for as much as we've disagreed on the outcome, I am way more interested in the quality because I'm rooting for them. I'm rooting for the four of them for this to be approaching all out rather than Grand Slam. Yeah, and Grand Slam wasn't bad. No. Like, remotely, it was just not as good, pale in comparison and very off. So mm. I'm worried about it being off, but it'll be over. It really will be over. Um, I can't believe this whole thing started with it being the weird match at All Out that I was just yes. certain that 
that was just going to be bang average and people didn't care about Jesus Christ how wrong I was. And I will probably be wrong about the finish of this, as will a lot of people, because there are so many different permutations. It's the last thing we're going to talk about. It's John Moxley versus MJF for the AEW World title. This is a weird um, sort of symmetry with one of my favorite matches of the year, that being Hangman Page versus Lance Archer. Where I was like, right, okay, it's going to be fun and violent, I guess. And Paige is incredible and Archer plays the role well, but there's zero out drama over this outcome. And then they reoriented the match about, well, how is he going to win without the bookshot? Mm. And it was, and you knew they were going to do the bookshot because otherwise it would have no dramatic effect that um, I believe it was. And what's the American top team guy called again? Lambert. And Lambert. Yeah. Top rope off. So it's like, well, you can't just do the dead eye after this because I just you knew it he was going to do the bookshop, but how and it was brilliant. What I'm trying to say, I wish you'd done that in a Lance Archer CM Punk match. Yeah, Christ, I know. Might have taught CM Punk a lesson before he had to learn it the hard way. Yeah, absolutely. He would still botch it up if he had five ropes, the stupid bastard. <laughs> um, genius and all the rest of it. We know MGF has to win. Ultimately, Moxley turns heel if he wins this. Mm. Because the, the fans are kind of ready to do that. They're, they're at least prepared to fall in love with MGF or have a new title holder and a new beginning. Ultimately, this is MGF's match. He's going to win. But they've expertly built this around the idea of how. I say expertly. The firm are geeks. And every time I see them on TV, it diminishes this as a main event concern for me. I think it's half takeover, half not. And what I mean by that is, it's not just, oh, they're great wrestlers, so it'll be all right on the night. They've done very well to just create vast levels of intrigue surrounding the finish. Um, but some of the TV's been pretty poor because the firm just aren't it at all. Um, at this point, it's like uh, it's double bluff stuff with MGF, as it always is. Did he lay that hint that Regal's going to interfere on so thick that you now think, oh, he's laid that on too thick. Yeah. You know, that's the brilliance of the MGF character. I'll be on the edge of my seat for this. I don't know if they've told a story truthfully that is as monumental as it could have been that will generate a huge buy number for this pay-per-view. But my God, the last five minutes of this match are going to be unbelievable in terms of the drama and the noise. And if the All Out 2020 match is any indication, and MGF's a far better worker now than he was then, still great then, then the rest of the match will be great as well. I do think it's the Regal one. I do. Yeah, I um, I actually, when you said the last five minutes, I felt my, uh, my stomach twist in the way it always does when I care about the outcome and that feeling of knowing. So it's going to be when Moxley probably fights out of whatever MJF's managed to set up. Like something around the salt of the earth, salt of the earth, perhaps. But like Moxley starts to fight his way out, and you just sense that we're heading to the closing stretch. And that ner when you really care about the result, that nervousness around that, about the idea that should you be looking to the ramp, but who's going to run in? Should you suddenly have eyes on Regal, whatever it is? You want to be probably want to be Moxley's eyes and ears, even if you want some sort of fix to reveal itself. Um, it's not. I don't. Maybe they do, and maybe I'm going to be made a fool of here. The comparisons with the deadly game are apt because The Rock was riding a wave of unbelievable babyface momentum when WWE had the guts to keep him healed because they knew there was a monster WrestleMania made him have to get to first with Steve Austin. 
Um, but this idea of Rock and Vince and Shane hugging being replicated in, for argument's sake, Stokely Hathaway, William Regal and MJF, for example. Where that differs is that you didn't have your heart in your mouth over when The Rock was going to turn. You were absolutely flat on your ass when he did the eyebrow of Vince. That was a shock. This, if this turn happens, isn't a shock. It's going to feel and play like a shock to the commentators and to everybody, but we wouldn't be talking about it now. So it makes me wonder if there is another finish that none of us have seen yet. And that's what the that's what the answer to all this, that's what unpicks all of this. On our Dynamite preview, which Christ almighty, I really do hope drops in and he gets to listen to it one day. I made the argument that um, is John Moxley and this very wishy-washy, not very well-received go-home promo, is it going to be all about John Moxley always being right and that MJF really was still the scumbag creep coward that Moxley knew that we had all allowed ourselves to forget? because he was suddenly the A-Dub guy. Was Moxley right all along? And is there going to be a finish that we just haven't yet seen? And MJF will have absolutely planted a couple of clues as well that we haven't yet seen that presents him as just the worst guy, an even worse version of a guy that has said, I'll cheat a bit, I just won't cheat as much as you think. Is there something lingering that we haven't spotted? I really, really, there is hope and excitement around Regal, around the visual of MJF holding the belt, around Moxley having one gotten over on him because one day he gets to go on a path of revenge. I really, really don't want it to be the firm. And I've even worked myself into a shoot over the idea that they were wearing cups for all those low blows that MJF was hitting. Like, I really don't want it to be the firm. And I just hope that those are these ginormous red herrings rather than, uh, yeah, we want you to think about aces and eights. We want you to think about the worst kind of... Because even The Rock did that. The Rock hit Vince with a rock bottom. Yeah. Even even Vince had to say, I took one because Austin, I needed to have Austin completely blind to my idea. I don't want it to be that. They're better than that. And more importantly, I'm Jeff's better than the firm. Yeah. Just one more thing before we sign off. Um, the worst thing about, I think a lot of people are going to look back on AEW because if it's not at the end of its golden period now, it will happen. It just will. Even if it's eight years from now, it'll happen. I think there'll be a lot of regret when a lot of people look back and just say, I wish I could have just trusted it more when it was great. Yeah. and luxuriate in it more when it was great because the idea of them doing something like that in early 2020 mid 2021 before full gear 2019 all the great periods there were probably things that you were concerned about oh, chris jericho and cody rules doing a contract signing what i oh, know it was absolutely fantastic you know we've had these are they going to wwe this because it's been such an oppressive thing as was tna um but the worry now is that Tony Connor's bandido celebrating distraction roll-up wins, like what might be in the era where he has a stupid idea. You know, it's just yeah. it's a shame. It really is a shame, but it hasn't happened yet. It might not happen. No one knows what's happening here. The last five minutes are guaranteed to be electrifying. And ultimately, this is a pretty useless preview because no one knows anything. And that is the hook. So yeah. we can at least say that they did a great job of um, completely casting all sorts of doubt over the outcome. But let us know your finish to this match um because everyone has one seemingly online underneath the twitter um link to this podcast at what culture wwe on twitter uh whilst you're there you can follow michael hamflet at michael hamflet you can follow me at m sidgwick apologies for the delays in distributing your podcast morsels uh because meats sucks yeah. and it takes longer to drop in the email folder than it does to record um, but hopefully you will listen to this and the Dynamite review. Um, we'll be back. Hopefully normal service um, will resume tomorrow. 
And uh, again, if you do eventually get to spend your day with us, we always appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.